0: Why celebrate underrepresented breweries, plus a programming note. This is a Birvana audio blog. Please forgive verbal stumbles and fumbles. And when you're done listening, consider a pint from Birvana's partners, Guinness Brewing of Dublin, Ireland, and Baltimore, Maryland, Freem Family Brewers of Hood River, Oregon, and Rubens Brews of Seattle, Washington. Their support makes this site possible. Let's begin with that programming note. I've given the Diverse Breweries database a permanent home on the website here, and you'll find a link, found under the Post drop down menu, and there is also a link at the top of the website's splash page. The database is managed as a Google Sheet, and moments after I update the original file, it updates the version that appears on the website, so it's always up to date. When I posted it for the first time on Monday, the database had about 135 breweries listed across six categories. Thanks to the help of dozens of you, we're already up to 240. No doubt this only scratches the surface, but it's a great start. You can contact me with updates via email or any of the social media channels I maintain. Keep them coming! Why celebrate underrepresented breweries? On to the second item. Yesterday Paul left the following comment, and I think it's worth taking time to answer it seriously. What is the specific utility that you see in aggregating this list? If you, yes, you, Jeff, decide to take a vacation to, say, Eugene, what effect does the gender or skin pigmentation of the person making the brewery's beer have on your itinerary? How does that intersect with the word of mouth or hype you've heard about the quality of the breweries on your list? Are breweries with female and or non-white brewmasters somehow at a disadvantage for that detail? How about 10 Barrel? where would you place that in the stack considering the competing elements of the Portland location being driven by an amazing brewer who happens to be a woman and the competing narrative that no one should support a place because it's owned by a conglomerate. Do we get a beer there because it's made by a woman or do we decline because it's corporate? My sense is that the quality of the product should be both the thing that matters most in both regards. Your beat is obviously beer, but do you apply this equity standard evenly? Who made the carpet in your home? Do you check that database? What about your tires? What about the tires on your car? What about the light switches in your home? Are they equitable? There's a lot going on in this comment and I'm not gonna get into carpets or corporate beer, which aren't germane to Paul's central point, which boils down to these two sentences. What is the specific utility that you see in aggregating this list? My sense is that the quality of the product should be the thing that matters most. For 44 years, small American breweries have argued that it's critically important to consider who makes the beer. It was a cornerstone of the Brewers Association's mission. Very few consumer movements have been as laser focused on identity as American craft breweries. Breweries and member organizations, the BA, but also guilds and regional associations have spent a huge amount of time highlighting small, local, and independent, all elements of their identity. Quality has been a distant benchmark for this industry, so much so that a few years ago the Brewers Association felt it needed to do some remedial work in encouraging breweries to consider it. From the personalities of owners and brewers, to punchy punchy marketing, to irreverent branding and messaging, craft brewing has always been about identity. For the first time in decades, people from underrepresented groups are founding breweries. Click through the websites in my database and have a look at how old the, breweries, the listed breweries are. The vast majority are less than five years old. I find it a little strange that we would only now ask brewers to ignore who makes the beer after having spent decades focusing on them. Of course, it matters who makes the beer, and of course we all care. Celebrating new, distinctive voices is exactly what we have been doing forever. The barriers to getting into this business are far higher for members of communities who have less access to resources. For an overview, I encourage folks to listen to Garrett Oliver talk about why black brewers are underrepresented. And there's a link there to a podcast I did with Garrett. It's not a mysterious, unknowable riddle. It's structural, financial, cultural, and bureaucratic. And it's not just black brewers and owners. I've spoken to a lot of women, and even now, And even in a place like Portland, sexism remains a major issue in the industry. A woman's path to becoming a head brewer is a lot rockier than a man's. Acknowledging these facts in no way diminishes the accomplishments of white male brewers. Our celebration of Tanya Cornette does not come at Ken Grossman's expense. We don't live in a binary world. And let's not forget that identity is far more often an obstacle than an advantage for these breweries. For every drinker like me who wants To celebrate the achievements of the brewers who have overcome these obstacles there are others who continue to hold bigoted views and who just want them to go away putting themselves out there isn't an act is an act of bravery and grace and i admire the hell out of them for that so to answer your question the specific utility i see in celebrating breweries founded by women and black latino asian indigenous and lgbtq owners as well as the head brewers who develop and make their beer Is that there should be a lot more of them they're members of my community and i want them in this industry i want to see those structural barriers fall i choose the word underrepresented intentionally it would be great if at some point in the future the range of brewers and owners is as diverse as our country but we're nowhere near that place and the only way we get there is by acknowledging how much it does matter now